0: Welcome to the Dead Pixel podcast. This is the podcast home for all the people that work in the archival and production world. The artists and technicians that keep production going long after the shoot is finished. We're engineers, colorists, restorers, administrators, cinematographers, editors, animators, designers, and filmmakers. We work in both sound and visual, in analog and digital. The one thing that we share in common is that we spend some if not all of our time working in dark rooms working alone. Finally, we get to share our stories here on the Dead Pixel podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Dead Pixel. I'm here with Ryan Hullings. Hi. And today we're talking to another good friend of ours, Davide Pozzi, who is the director of L'Imagine Retrovata in Bologna, Italy. Hi, Davide.
1: Hi. Hello hey Davide.
0: Everyone. It's good to see you. Hi. Ciao. Good to see you too. So, Davide, I was thinking about when we met, which <laughs> was, I can't... Years think, ago now. <laughs> many years ago, but I, I would say 12 years ago is my guess. I think more. More? It should be 2007. To, oh two thousand seven. 2007. No. So, oh, so four, almost 14 years ago. Right. I remember... You I remember this kid, this child, <laughs> this little boy came up to me and said, Oh, uh, I want to have a meeting with you. And I said, yeah, who are you? This and is you not said, my this is not my accent. So. He <laughs> yeah. my, my <laughs> said my name is Adavade, and I said, uh no, but you you uh were very persistent about a meeting. And I remember thinking, Well, I'm so glad somebody wants to have this meeting, because we were trying to talk about one of the earliest Bologna restorations that I remember was for the Dreyer film *Vampire*.
1: Wow. Yes.
0: Yes. And you got myself and the director at the time, Gianluca, Jean- uh, uh, you got us all together for a meeting. And it didn't really go anywhere for a couple of years, <laughs> but uh, it was the first time I remember meeting you and talking to you. And I remember your enthusiasm. It's because at
1: that time, neither me and Gianluca, we were... Uh, speaking English. and Maybe we, we never understand that. <laughs> what, what you call that.
0: <laughs> sure. It's true. You probably have no recollection of <laughs> what I said, which is fine. But I remember also, well, now I look back and I think your English is 100% improved since, I mean, it's really crazy. and We're working on it.
1: We are working on it. <laughs> you've never taken an English class, have you? No, 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 no. I mean, my English class
0: was Bruce Springsteen, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so cars, girls, and New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey, right, absolutely. <laughs> okay, great. So we'll talk about... And Thunder Road. Gonna... And, road. <laughs> and Thunder Road. And okay. <laughs> Thunder Road, yeah. So let's start with Born to Run. No. Um, so, yeah, it's been um, it's an a, a, amazing few years. We've really gotten to know each other so well. And um, what you've done with Imaginary Retrovata is really an amazing feat. You have now three facilities in the world, don't you?
1: We have three facilities and in fact, four companies because I mean, we, we just got Eclair uh, Classic this year as well. Yeah. But anyway, we are on, on three cities around the what, world. What, what are the three cities? They are Bologna, uh, of course, since the beginning, then Hong Kong uh, since uh, 2015 and uh, Paris uh, since uh, 2016.
0: So what made you open the Hong Kong facility? Was that something you had just
1: felt like there was a need for? It, it was uh, uh, at the beginning, a kind of uh, dream and then was a challenge, still a challenge, okay? Because in fact, uh, since the very beginning when, uh, when I took the direction of L'Imagine Trovata in 2006, uh, I decided to put all our energy only on the film restoration and film preservation and try to be as much international as possible, okay. And in in this way, we we try to get uh, uh, restoration to be done for every corner of the world, okay. My my goal was uh, try to have at least one title for every country, <laughs> and uh, and uh, it was uh, and of course uh, at that time around 2010, uh, 2011, and 12. Uh, we were starting to get jobs uh, from uh, from Asia as well, okay. Because Asia was starting to look at the for K master, okay? and there was not many facilities there.
2: Mm.
1: And it was at that time that uh, I was uh, well, I was dreaming well, to open a facility in Asia in Hong Kong. Of course, I love Hong Kong. <laughs> I think you like the food. Uh, I like I like the food and I like uh, I like the city. Okay, and. Uh, it took uh, more than three years, but at the end, we were able to open up a small branch uh, called Imagine Trata Asia, Asia in, uh, in Hong Kong, uh, and it was in uh, June uh, 2015. And since uh, uh, we were able to, to manage much more title from, uh, from Asia, the goal is just to scan the film there, avoiding uh, shipping the reels. Uh, and then we do the, the digital restoration in Italy and we, we carry out the restoration, depending in Italy or uh, in Hong Kong, uh, depending on title by title. I see. So th- so was the Paris facility also set up for the same reason to be more of a scanning and then everything goes to Bologna? The Paris facility was, I mean, uh, I decided to, to do as well uh, uh, facilities in Paris because I mean, the French is uh, French still our main uh, market in a way. And uh, we, at, at one point, we, we got a lot of French title to be restored. It was too much for for Italy, and it was rather really too much travel for uh, our clients. And we decided to open uh, in in Paris. And in Paris, actually, uh, I, uh, we we do um, much more. Uh, we we are able to cover uh, a larger portion of the workflow than in Hong Kong. Okay, because in Paris we do everything except uh, the, the digital cleanup that we do in Bologna. Okay.
2: okay that actually that gets to something i maybe to back up a little bit um because you know we work so closely with you guys that i think maybe lee and i are just glossing over like what you know l'imaginaire Tavata actually does you know because mm-hmm. uh could you quickly just talk about like what kind of work you guys do in general you know
1: it's very simple We it's very simple we do, we do just one thing we do film restoration That's it. <laughs> all right there we go <laughs> okay, this is our signature okay because instead of uh i mean all our friends uh, slash competitors uh, usually they do everything the main uh, the main business is a feature or commercial or tv serial and they do as well uh, restoration in high level but is part of their business okay my goal is because we are we we are born from a film archive. Okay. is just to do only one thing and just to do film restoration because at the end i i think i still think after some years now that if it's true that uh, post production and film restoration they share a lot of technology they share a part of the workflow i think the background of the op- operators is is completely different and uh, this is a little bit my my point. This is why we decided to spe- to be specialized only on film restoration, even because the film restoration uh, was developed a lot during the last in the last decade. Okay, when um, in for instance, talking about ourselves, uh, in the last uh, ten years. We decided to uh, to have a new department like the thin comparison, or to open a new department like uh, chemical treatment, mm. which is for me uh, a key uh, department. a uh, key department today, that's that's my humble point of view. Yeah, <laughs> no, no, I, I, and I You know, as you
0: say that, I was thinking about many years ago when we first started doing more work in New York. Everything was in L.A. There yeah. was a, a post-production house, but mostly their their clients were commercials. Mm-hmm. And they wanted to do some movies. So we started to do some, and we really liked one of the colorists there. But what I've, I realized was it was definitely geared to 30-second and 60-second slots, not one hour and 20 minutes. I noticed the colorist, for example, would be very interested in the beginning. And around 20 or 30 minutes into the movie, it would get a little sloppier. And it it would be people's skin tones didn't match as much. By the end of the movie, it was, okay, let's go back and do that all over again. But but everyone thinks they can do all of it, and you really can't. And what you've done is you've isolated yourself with restoration, and I think that's a a great thing.
1: Usually one of my mantra is uh, to say, I want to be the best in the world in the restoration and the worst
2: in the world in post-production. <laughs> <laughs> I have a lot of respect for post-production facilities. Sure, so sure. Don't yeah, of me. course. I think <laughs> but, one thing, though, that is, I mean, really interesting to me uh, in the times that I've gotten to visit Imaginary retrovata in Bologna is that saying you just do restoration is not even, like, close to the whole picture. Yeah, it's of not selling it the, well. Yeah, it's not selling it well because the variety of kinds of restoration that you guys are actually capable of doing is fascinating you know it's not just digital you guys yeah. are front to back doing everything and that's fascinating to me as someone who is exclusively a digital operator
0: right you're you're, you're analog and digital which is uh, something that's very rare these days
1: yeah i mean we still uh, we still printing and processing black and white or sound negative i mean we we try we try to cover from A uh, to to Z. But for me, doing fin restoration means to be able to handle and to do thin repair of a third, of a very damaged 35 millimeter print to the very last technological and uh, very expensive uh, I don't know film scanner or, or or server. And my my personal point of view. The thing I, I I like the most of our job is the the, the cross point uh, between something that has never changed since the Lumiere brother, like to make a slice, or to make a repair, and the, the best the best tools you have are your fingers, okay? And <laughs> yeah. in the other yeah. side you have the last uh, scanner, more mm-hmm. than uh, three hundred thousand bucks or something like this, okay? This, I like this. I like the very uh, something that you can only fix with your fingers or with your brains, okay? Extremely cheap. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> side, you have something extremely expensive. You see what yeah. I mean? Yeah. yeah. No, I do. It's... I still like very much this um, this side of my job. Yeah. And as well the the yeah the to discover how the how the cinema has been produced over the decades, because when you are we can say that we have pretty much experience restoring italian titles from the 30s 40s 50s but when you have in your hands uh, i don't know a original camera negative of the um, of a chinese film okay mm. made on the 30s you can discover that the cross dissolve were not duplicated they they were simply overlapped
0: <laughs> yeah, right, <laughs> i right. like this i mean i think that's interesting you you've you're seeing film from from different parts of the world that have different problems, and one of the yeah. one of the films that we all worked on, the three of us together, were yeah. the Apu films. Which, yeah. uh, just to give some backgrounds, Padapanchali, Apu Sansar, and uh, Aparajito. Aparajito. Aparajito, right? Yeah. Uh, I remember the first time we started speaking about it. I had spent some time in LA with these negatives that had burned in the fire, and uh, nobody really knew what to do with it. And uh, you kept saying, send it to Italy. And I said, well, okay, well, maybe we have to get permission and send it to Italy. Let me look at it. And finally... So you one reel to Italy. So said. You said one reel to Italy. Right? <laughs> I did say one real. one
1: reel, so here, you, need, you need less authorization. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sure.
0: Although there was a lot of permissions involved. But when we finally... Uh, we hadn't done it yet. And you said, I'm in LA. Let's look at it together. And we, I remember you went. And you were the only person that looked at it and said... I know what to do. I know how to fix this. I know how to make, I, I I know exactly, we'll rehydrate it. We'll fix all the perforations. We'll take off the sections that have been damaged or burnt. You had answers that nobody, most people said, uh, well, we've never seen film that was in a fire before, or I don't know, you could try this or you could try that. You knew what to do and you weren't afraid of it. And I feel like that has gotten you so far in everything because you never say, "I don't want to try that. I don't want I, I'm, I, That's not what we do. You say, "Give it to us and let us try." And I think that's something that that's probably why there are less film labs in the world right now in general, because no one wants to try anymore.
1: I think it's the only solution to, it's the only way to find solution. You have to try if you make a mistake, you come back, you try another, another approach. I mean. Well, that's easier said than done because you're, you, sometimes you don't have a second chance. Like if
0: we couldn't get the negatives fixed and through a scanner, what would have happened?
1: I don't, I don't like the idea to make a restoration from an IP when I know that the OCN is there. I agree with you. This was extremely frustrating to me <laughs> above all when we opened it in Asia, in Hong Kong, uh, where, I mean, we got a lot of very damaged material. Uh, very often, maybe you have a, a very sticky OCN we were not able to use it and we were forced to do the restoration from a very sh- shitty 16 millimeter print. Okay. Yeah. So in that moment, I decided to invest resource, money, and time to open a, a, a chemical department.
0: Right.
1: And that's, that's
0: what's helped save some of these films that would never have been saved. Absolutely. Otherwise.
1: Absolutely. And I have to say that, uh, even today we are testing a, a lot of new solutions okay in the chemical department and very often uh, we i mean we are able to 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 achieve something that i i, 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 I was not thinking it was possible to be honest
2: that that's actually super interesting to me that like the technology for analog and chemical film restoration i mean as someone that doesn't do it and knows nothing about it i would have guessed that it sort of like music recording in the 70s with analog <laughs> gear like peaked then you know, and when everyone was doing it, when it was the only option, and then has been kind of you know the same ever since. But you guys are actually innovating on that front. Uh, not not too
1: much on the duplication. Okay, so that technology has stayed the same. Pretty the much, technology stayed the same. I have to say that when we are in the analog world, you have a, you can do a lot of tricky solution when we are working on a black and white film. Because black and white, uh, uh, for the kind of processing we have, uh, you can uh, uh, do a lot of different settings. Okay, you can have a better, uh, I mean, an higher contrast or lower contrast. You have, uh, you can trim, you can trim in, in the printing in the printing department and in the processing department. When we are talking about color film, it's much more standard. Okay, when uh, when we are when we have to deal with a uh, color film there's always impossible to, to shift or to adjust uh, uh, the actual uh, technology and chemical standards for processing. Right, I see. Interesting. Hmm. So, you, since you've
0: you've mentioned color film, um, let's talk about something uh, related to color and which is the look of the film for a color film. Black and white, we know there's uh, there's less uh, decisions to be made in grading black I and white. Should, film. I should
1: disagree a little bit. Well,
0: <laughs> I know I'm not saying it's, I'm not, I'm saying it's, uh, it's slightly easier. I'm not it's saying easier. It's, okay. it's easy, it's easier. Right. but with color, uh, there's so many variables and uh, you're, you're entering the jungle. I know I am. And, but mm-hmm. it's important because I think most people just assume color film is color film and it just looks a certain way, but it doesn't, especially from a negative. And I know we've had, um, uh, conversations about the look of films and, uh, bringing in cinematographers and directors and some cinematographers are very good with digital. Some aren't, some directors want to change their movie. Some filmmakers don't want to be involved at all. I remember Lars von Trier said to me once, "Yeah, I tr- I trust you. And I said, I don't know what the movie looks like but I'm glad he trusted me. Um but you know you do you need the help from people and how do you go about doing this? I know it's a, a it's a complicated subject but how do we go when you have a movie let's take a uh uh uh, uh let's take uh, the Tree of Wooden Clogs uh the Almodóvar oh. film. That's a
1: film <laughs> that you spent a lot of time I, with Almodóvar. I'm Olme not with. sure is that is the right example because Hermano okay. er, I mean when we made the restoration of uh, L'Albero degli Zoccoli was asking to change a lot the original look of the film so in fact what we what we made was not a restoration was a new version of uh, L'Albero degli Zoccoli uh, in term of uh, in term of color correction Sorry. but yeah. we, we should discuss maybe on some um, uh, on some Sergio Leone titles or we just restored the Fellini titles I mean uh, <laughs> the director were not alive, unfortunately.
0: Right,
1: right. Because, I mean, as you said, of course, we always uh, ask the, the director or a cinematographer to be involved in the restoration, but they, in a way, they are still uh, artists, okay? Mm. And they always want to do something different. They are not a restorer. And, he, uh, and above all, when you are restoring the very first films they made, that maybe they were not famous at the time, or maybe they use old film stock, mm. they then they grew they grew up with the desire to change something. <laughs> for instance, when mm. we yeah, I mean every time we work with a director or cinematographer, there is there's something that they want to to change from uh, I mean from everyone. It's,
0: yeah. and, and it's difficult to argue with that because they are the artist. It is their the, baby. It is their baby. Uh, the party, we always try. We, but we, 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 we have our white flag. <laughs> yeah, sometimes, but sometimes you have to just
1: speak up and say that, that's not a good idea. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Then depend on the relationship you have and the kind of uh, dialogue you, you can have uh, with them. Or as you said, maybe we start in a direction We we start to be friends, uh, to be comfortable, and then when they think they are in the last reel, you say, "Okay, come on, let's have a look now. Let's start from the beginning, and maybe you you can try to to adjust uh, something." But it's very interesting because very sometimes uh, above all for some old director that they stopped to make film uh, uh, before the digital. Mm. Now they are discover they are discover a new toy, a new world. And, the power window. Wow! Look absolutely. at this. And uh, and usually, as I said, in our I mean, doing our job, the most uh, important thing is to know when you have to stop. Okay, uh, because of this, that you can do you you can do a lot of violet le Duc uh, restoration, uh, mm. as I say. Yeah. Uh, I, uh,
2: I'm, on that front, I uh, had I don't know if I've ever told you the story, Davide, but. Uh, at one point we were working on Heaven's Gate with Michael Cimino. And, um, you know, obviously the dialogue for that movie was famously indecipherable for a long time. So he wanted to, you know, bump up the volume of some lines here and there. And I worked with him for a couple days on it, and after the first day or so, like, he simply wanted to do one thing, which is just increase the volume of dialogue at times. Mm -hmm. So we got this shorthand where he was sitting like slightly behind me and to my left a little bit, and wearing like, you know, Amber tinted glasses, and just kind of like lean back in his chair. And every time he heard a line that was a little too quiet, he would just touch me on the shoulder, <laughs> and I would bring it up. Yeah, and that was it. That was like the, our conversation became that. Just I would get this gentle touch on my shoulder, and I knew he wanted that line louder. <laughs> the Chamina shorthand. Yeah, it was really yeah, right. That's hilarious. nice. <laughs> well, when he was when he was doing the uh,
0: the the picture color, uh, he came in. We had some 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 issues at the end, and I said, "Can you just help us look at this one scene?" And he came in, he had his dark sunglasses on, he was looking at it. And his producer, who he had known for years, real New Yorker, Joanne, she said, uh, she saw him in there with his glasses on. He was looking through the lenses and she said, Mikey, take off your glasses. You can't see anything. (laughs) And he said, no, no, I can see. And I thought, well, this movie's going to look dark if he keeps, or bright, I guess, because we have to bring it up. But, you know, we had the opposite with Michael Mann on this movie Thief, because- he knew exactly what he wanted because he had his own personal print that was timed exactly the way he wanted. He made us project the print, split yeah. screen the image, put the digital on the side and they had to match exactly. And we had to run them together, which was no easy easy task. It was very difficult yeah, to run right. them at the same time. Yeah. But that's how he got his look. So if anybody says, "Well, Thief doesn't remember Thief doesn't look like I remember it when I saw it." I'm saying, "Well, <laughs> it is exactly the way you likely saw yeah. it because he watched every print." So there is a very doable way. I mean, well, it's exhausting, but yes. Yeah. yeah, not doable, feelable. I
1: mean, it's it's a good source. It's a good
0: source. But I just think, you know, one of the things that we really, that I think we want everyone to realize is that we spend a lot of time on research and a lot of time getting the people who should know if the director is not around to speak for themselves to, to help us with these things. And, you know, it's not a perfect solution because if they weren't the person on the set or the person who shot the film, there is some leeway
1: with what something
0: should look like, but we're doing our best.
1: Yeah, I agree. The problem is when the cinematographer disagrees with the director on the look of the film. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's not good either, is it? Yeah. Well, we
0: worked with both of us have worked with Giuseppe Rattuno, who's a lovely, lovely man. Uh, yeah. And we know how talented is, and I've seen him uh, color time a print in a theater. Yeah. And he was like the maestro, they call him, right? One, uh, yeah. one, point, one point yellow, one point red, one point lighter, one point, bam, yeah. bam, bam. But in digital, he's not the same.
1: Yeah. Now, of course, but very often when we work with um, old uh, cinematographer, they still use uh, uh, an old language, even for digital, okay? Yes. For example, when we work with uh, Renato Berta, he say, because um, um, I can I mean, when, when we have to do the digital color correction, it he he comes here for, for the print, but it's not the print, it's a file, and uh, very often the cinematographer say to the colorist, open up, open a little bit or close a little bit, but open and close was the, the valve of the printer, <laughs> you see what I mean? Yeah, is an old uh, is an old language.
0: <laughs> no, it's true. Or the well,
1: close a but, bit or open a bit. <laughs> open a bit, not yeah. brighter or
0: darker. Yeah, open. But, but at least you understood what I it meant. they so. say
1: one point, two point. But I have to translate on digital because
0: it's not. One that. point is nice. Cindy Lumet used one point, two point with me, and it was I thought it was very helpful actually because uh, we, after a few minutes we knew what one point and two points were, and it. Was super easy, sure, but of
1: course, of course, of course.
0: Maybe we should go back to that system in the room, where we say, uh, "Open it up," or one point.
1: Yeah, or even a quarter of <laughs> point because you <laughs> you can go until a quarter.
0: Yeah, because they always say, "I wish I had this ability to do half a point or a quarter of a point." And now they
1: can. So, but I like I like very much this old language applied to the very modern technology. I mean, yeah, yeah. and we still yeah. use it. We still yeah. use
0: it. Well, and you know that that brings me to another thing I'm thinking about is you know, people ask me if the new how the new version looks compared to what it probably looked like way back when. I said, I think with the combination of digital uh, and film, if you shoot on film and you do your post production in digital, it's such a perfect scenario if you get a great DCP out of it at the end. DCP meaning yeah. the uh, digital cinema uh, yeah. release package. Yeah. yeah, digital cinema package.
1: You know there's a lot of uh, discussion uh, even on the net Very, I mean very often we are very uh, we are we are criticized a little bit because of our approach. I have to say that I mean for me even in the um, I mean we, we, we should talk uh, for hours and hours about concurrent. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, in a, in my personal approach when we decide uh, the workflow every single restoration we always try we always I mean we always keep the color correction at the very last step of the workflow because uh, is uh, the sub- is a subjective step okay and uh, the goal is to, to to put all the objective or the mechanical step before the color correction. I mean, when, when we have to do a film repair, it's very easy. You have a splice, you have to redo the splice if it's open, okay, without losing frames. Yeah. And is uh, easy because the goal of the scan is to have uh, a big density, uh, a very rich picture, mm-hmm. and very flat. Digital restoration, if we if we don't discuss about the grain management, that we usually we don't do, uh, a scratch is a scratch. OK, uh, the uh, black point is a black point. Mm-hmm. OK, then we should discuss if there's a, an airing gate, if we have the right to remove it or not, because mm-hmm. the, it's always been there. OK, but when you come to the digital, when you come to the color correction, even the best colors in the world, if he does today a color correction and if he's if going to watch again his job after five years, he will change something. I can bet. I can bet. I'm sure, because it's very, it's very subjective. It's extremely related to the medium we have uh, today, and it's cultural. Okay, and uh, our approach, because we come from a, I mean, we, we come from a film archive, is always to try to respect as much as possible what we should call, what we sh- we think was uh, the original look of the film. Let's take, for instance, the example of uh, Sergio Leone. Okay,
2: Sergio Leone,
1: uh, we we were able to find in uh, Technicolor in Rome the original um, light, uh, light uh, value. Okay, for the analog grading, and as well, uh, I was able to talk with the operator. Okay, and he said Sergio was always asking for m- m- much more yellow. Okay he likes a very yellowish uh, uh, picture. And when we made the restoration of the Leone's title, we made a very yellowish... Uh, robins that uh, uh, doesn't match the the actual standard of today. Mm. Even, even because I think uh, today, we are... I mean, a lot of cinephiles today, they grew up uh, during the uh, DV- during the VHS and DVD era, mm. okay, that comes from uh, the very first, uh, telecine, and the telecine that were made on the 80s and 90s, for me, were not always very respectful of the original look. But today, everyone is going to is, when they buy when they buy a new Blu-ray. First thing they do, they compare with the old DVD they have. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> who say? Who say that they, this DVD exactly is exactly. the people? <laughs> uh, okay.
0: Right. Who say this?
1: Okay. Because for me the reference is the original film. Right. Okay. So, of a vintage print. Then of course we can discuss that doesn't doesn't exist two vintage print looking the same. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah. The analog word is impossible. And I know that Grover Crisp agrees on this.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll we'll talk to him about this, don't worry. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, he's okay. gonna be Good. on the podcast soon. So we'll uh Good. yeah, we'll have a chat with him about it too. I mean, everybody do, we all share a common idea is that we want to get it right. And when you do have somebody that that breaks the rules a little bit by saying, uh, Sergio Leone wanted it to be more yellow, we have to trust that this person really is accurate and that Sergio I mean they're speaking for one another, so it's difficult to know for sure, but I mean, I just had a, uh, a color timer in speaking for Gordon Willis's cinematography, yeah. and they worked together on the movie, and he said, you know, Gordy was really trying to make this uh, fluorescent and blue and cold in this scene because he did, he loved the way the lights look, and it's easy to make it warm. So yep. uh, we went with that, but, you know, I'm, I mean, I hope he's right, but he, I have to assume he is because I... If he was the color timer that worked with Gordon Wills on the movie, he knows better than anybody alive. Yeah. And maybe
1: he couldn't get yeah, the is, from the yeah. prince. Yeah. I don't know. But the problem is the gap between the standards of uh, 40, 50 years ago and the actual, uh, the actual standard. Even because today, thanks of the technology, you can do m- much better. And this is another issue for our job. Yeah. Today, when Fox was restoring the leopard by Luchino Visconti, they 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 did a, a much better job than, than the original because they were able to scan the the Vista Vision no, original. Camera. <laughs> I mean? But even us when we made the the, the Sergio Leone restoration, mr I mean Sergio Leone is a two perf is a technoscope mm-hmm. technology. Okay, only two perforations. Uh, when the film was released, at the time there was the original camera in two perf. But then they make a. uh using an optical printer uh, for perforation blow up on reversal because the goal of the two perforation was to save money so there was uh, they, they used the reversal. and then the release print so the release print was pretty bad you know yeah. <laughs> you wow. see what yeah. i mean and today we are able to do a very good 4k scan from the vision camera and it looks probably 10 times
0: better than anything from that from that i'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. call it a blow up because it's kind of a blow-up
1: I guess it, you could uh, say it is absolutely a blow up. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the I only think good thing of two perf is that of course you, you save 50% of the film stock when you, when, when you're shooting. And second thing is that you can shoot on the original cinema scope format without, uh, uh, avoiding the use of the lens. Right. It's almost like super 35, but, but
0: yeah, but yeah, switch. Right. And a right. lot of people were doing that in Europe. I noticed there's a lot of Godard films that were shot this way as well. Uh, yep. So uh, it, was com- it was a common thing. And nowadays... Extremely,
1: extremely common. I mean, the same era where in the United States you were using Technicolor, I mean, spending three times more on film stock. We were <laughs> trying to make money spending three times less on now stock. It's true. <laughs> so, now we're t- okay, so
0: now we're into film stocks. Uh, I know for a fact you have a favorite film I- stock.
1: Of course, this
0: is the Dupont. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so Davide told me once. He said, "Lee, it's a b- b- gorgeous black and white. The Dupont film stock. It has to. It's the best." And we had a long discussion about our favorite film stocks. And that's now your. And there's a few things I've noticed from that. I think uh, some of the Fellini films were on Dupont yeah. stock.
1: yeah, uh-huh. absolutely.
0: I knew her well. Uh, there, th- many of them, and they really do look look beautiful. And I told Mike Bogo about this, and he said, "Oh, I had never known this about Dupont stock." So
1: yeah, it was richer.
0: Uh,
1: it was richer in the
0: silver. But I don't think their color stocks were
1: as good. Only their black and white. Is that right? You know, I'm even not sure if they never made a, oh. a color stock. Mm. For me, Dupont is only black and white.
0: I guess maybe it is because I've never seen a color. I never seen either. I yeah. never
2: seen either. Lee, do you have a favorite uh, film stock, or do you agree that Dupont's the top?
0: Well, I for black and white, I do. I do after working after David called it to my attention, and I am a convert." And, I, like I a convert. and I've, <laughs> I've told many people about this stock afterwards, and they all seem surprised by it. Um, but it really was quite beautiful. But um, you know. I also worked on the uh, Ilgata Il or the Leopard, uh, from that same negative before the 4K restoration was done. And that was an extraordinarily yeah. beautiful piece of film. Uh, sure. Like, extraordinary. You know, it had never been used. It had used, been used to make the reduction to 4 Perf, and then never used again. So it was in wonderful shape. It hadn't faded. Um, but, you know, it doesn't, doesn't always work like that. That was, that, was a, that was a nice piece of film, though. And, you know, you, we always say you're only as good as your film. And that's why you don't want to use an internegative or an or a, a, a interpositive if you can. You want to use yeah. your original negative. So um, back to film repair, because I think that's a subject that people don't know a lot about. But, um, you know, film is a very fragile piece of material and uh, you spend a lot
1: of time hard drives
2: no. <laughs> yeah <laughs> hard drives seriously i've had to recover hard, hard drives
1: um fall to fall to the floor is broken not not the film not the real. <laughs> so back up your material people back it up
0: yeah yeah seriously that's the key to it all um but with with film what are some of the craziest things that you've seen as far as uh film that has had a problem other than poo which went through a fire have you seen some pretty crazy film things
1: yeah i mean uh, and for, uh, once, I was in Singapore, and uh, I, a, um, a man uh, showed me uh, I open was opening a can. Okay, and the film was in a liquid state because it was so so hot, and uh, it was in a liquid state. And the the very paradoxical thing, funny thing in a way, is in it, it was that in that store, in that. Um, warehouse, sorry. Uh, there was no climatization, but in the office of the storehouse, there was a climatiz- the, 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 the climatization. <laughs> so the, the office people were comfortable backwards. <laughs> to move uh, to the office uh, from the store, <laughs> but it was too late. It was too, it was absolutely too late. Yeah. yeah. I was, um, I was very uh, touched when we when we when we made the restoration of the Lumiere brothers because having in your hands uh, first piece yeah Yeah. from 19th century and uh, in a very in extremely good shape because we have to say that the Lumiere brothers knew how to process uh, a film it was it was a nice day of my life yeah Yeah. And uh, it's well before the standardization of the four perforation that Kodak made on 1909. Mm. And, uh, you know, the Lumiere Brothers film uh, is 35 millimeter, of course, but they have the, the circle uh, perforation, uh, only one per, per side. Mm. That's nice. Yeah.
0: You know, it's funny. There really is a, a, like a little rush or a, there's an excitement with with getting to touch something that's, the original
1: from the camera from yeah. 1920-something. You, the, the nice, I mean, you can touch it. You okay. can. Today, yeah, it's a little bit difficult to, to touch uh, yeah, the original shot of Dunkirk, for instance.
0: Yeah, it's true. I think, you think 50 years, people are going to be like, ooh, look at this hard drive. It's got the film of something on it. I mean, <laughs> it's not nearly yeah. as exciting as a reel of 35-millimeter yeah. film.
1: Yeah. And, I mean, uh, and even more amplified is when you have in your hands a uh, 65 uh,
0: millimeter ocean. yeah that is a that's a piece of film
1: it's a it, it's 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 a it's a piece of animal yeah i <laughs> agree it's it like a, like a big ham um, <laughs> yeah a big uh, grana padano
2: <laughs> mm, that sounds good <laughs> so i Don't guess it. you agree yeah on um, that like um you know highly degraded film that you yeah. know you've encountered or whatever uh, do you have something, like, that's not the Apu trilogy, but something else along those lines where you have found something that was, you know, in terrible shape that you've been able to save, that you, that it wasn't too late, you know?
1: When we made the Rossellini project, there was a short he made called Il Ruscello di Ripa Sottile. I don't know the English title. And it was, it was an incredible uh, story because uh, this a no, uh, short made by him was founded in a in a cinema booth in Italy. Okay, Whoa. and um, it was it was extremely damaged, and uh, it was cut uh, every every something like thirty frames. Okay, I have some picture. Okay, why? Time, why <laughs> because of because of because I think some kids were were playing with it. Okay. Oh wow! So, mm. Oh, it was in, in many many pieces. And we we were lucky because it was only a short, okay? So we decided just with uh, with the help of our eyes, okay, to try to reconstruct it. And we make a lot of splice, okay? And as it was a print, a combined print, the final, I mean, the final judgment was the sound acquisition. Because if the sound acquisition makes sense, means that our reconstruction or our physical editing was right. Right, the right yeah, order. I mean, I have to say, it was uh, pretty amazing. I can maybe I can send you a, 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 a small piece of the sound. Oh, that would yeah, be great. Yeah, yeah we can analyze that. It too. was years ago. Now it was, I think, two thousand
2: eight
1: or nine, something like. Wow,
2: that's fascinating.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was fascinating. I agree. Well, um, I,
0: I, I'd be remiss if I didn't bring up one thing that I, I want everybody listening to this to know about which is Il Cinema Retrovato, which yeah. is the film festival in Bologna that happens every late June, early July. Uh, each year of this year, this year was was moved because of COVID. But uh, for those who don't know about this, it's it's really, if you're a film person, a film lover, even kind of a film lover, you will love this festival because it's inexpensive, it's Wonderful to watch all these great films in an outdoor setting and in an indoor setting, sitting under the stars in a big piazza watching movies and then eating delicious Italian food at the same time. It's really uh, a great uh, festival and if you if you can go, you should go because uh, Davide will tell you everybody from all over the world comes to this festival, uh, sure. countries everywhere now and it's grown yeah. from I remember when I started coming there whatever when when we did vom- talked about vampire we said 13 years ago, it was half the size of the, what it was now. Yeah, sure. It's just, you've got more, more theaters and more, it's just a great place to come and see movies. So it's, it's
1: a very nice week uh, of the year. Okay. We have, a, we, we, uh, we welcome a lot of friends. Now we are, I mean, like it, like to be one family, one community. Okay. And there's no competition, of course. And, uh, no, there's always a very nice um, ambient. You guys always seem
2: exhausted by the time that rolls around.
1: <laughs> I mean, uh, no, because when you know when, um, when it's running is running. I mean, the, the right, right. Maybe the most difficult week is the week before the festival. Okay, sure. when you have to deliver everything, uh, or maybe yeah. you do some technical rehearsal and uh, you discover that nothing works properly, (laughs) and maybe the day after you have, I don't know, Bernardo Bertolucci is coming. And uh, (laughs) okay. the the week before the festival is completely crazy, but I like it. (laughs) Then when the the festival starts, you are in in the mood of the festival, okay? And it's nice. I mean, we always sleep very very few hours because because we decide to do this, but uh, the week of the festival is uh, extremely nice and in a way is a kind of recompensation. of the of the time we invest we, we invest sorry to, to do this job okay and it's it's very nice I have to say to welcome people like you and this uh, it's nice to see the restoration that has been made around the world during the year that's the best part and I, yeah.
0: I love that it's communal like that where we all share our our knowledge and talk about each other's restoration and you know, Learning from each other is the most important thing yeah. in this world,
1: and uh, is a very, as I said, is um, informal, very friendly, and you can you can be seated around the table with uh, Alexander Payne <laughs> talking um, very in a very friendly way, which is something not so
2: common maybe in a LA. late. Yeah, one of the things that I really love about the festival too is. Uh, Not just the films. I mean, the whole sort of monastic practice of going to movies all day long and seeing all these restorations and especially that theater that you guys uh, started restoring that's like under the piazza. Totally unbelievable. That was so fun. But one thing that really uh, resonates with me when I think back on the times I've gotten to go is like the introductions to the films and like some of the board, like panel discussions. And like you said, about all these people from around the world coming together and sharing knowledge. Like, the intros to some of the films are just fascinating, You know, whether it's about the restoration or about yeah. the film itself. Okay. You know, there's a lot of information shared beyond just watching movies there.
1: But for me, one challenge that I think we won we is that at, at one point of the life of the festival, uh, I was uh, a little bit worried that we need to involve young people. Okay, because sometimes, uh, uh, I don't know why, I mean, we know, we know why, when you say every Film Festival is always related to the old people. Mm-hmm. Okay, that for me, make absolutely no sense. Okay, and I think that mm, thanks to the this kind of educational side of the festival, for, uh, thanks to the restoration school we made, thanks to the university around the world, Today is, in fact, is a, is a very young festival in Cimarito Trovato, and we welcome a lot, a lot of uh, students all around uh, the world. And uh, uh, I have to say, maybe it's the, the thing I'm most proud about the, um, the last development of the festival during the last uh, 10 years, because yeah. today yeah. The, the film heritage is something uh, appealing. It's still what I yeah. mean, it's not something dead or old, not at all.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with you. The love of cinema from the from 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 students and so many students that come there is really really nice to see it. Because you're right, I think people think of a film festival as just an, a, a bunch of old people getting together and watch films. But I went to a, a, a nighttime screening of Suspiria a few years ago. I couldn't even get in; it was so crowded. But it was yeah. all young people, and it was yeah. packed. People were sitting every it was in America that would be called a fire hazard but in <laughs> Italy it was just another way to watch a movie and it was fantastic so yeah, uh, i was
2: like packed into the lobby of the the Arquino waiting for to get into the gunfighter and it was like all kids it was wild i mean yeah. all students you know it was for like a 1930s the, black and white studio yeah, film yeah, exactly <laughs> i was like not bad not bad right yeah i was like i'm the oldest person in here this is yeah. wild <laughs> I think even if you think that,
1: uh, I mean, during the festival, we made uh, at least twice per week uh, a music concert in the piazza. I mean, mm. uh, we show a silent movie. With, with an orchestra. orchestra and yeah. uh, the piazza yeah, is so perfect. cool. Uh, it's a special it's, thing. I mean, it's not so common, I think. All right.
0: uh, no, I don't think I've ever seen it outside of Bologna.
2: Yeah, it's uh, amazing.
0: And it's such a great, It's a it's a city that's a great size for you to be able to like get around and, see everything and walk under the porticos and eat a lot of gelato or <laughs> <all> wine depend <laughs> sure. gelato or wine choose your poison yeah, yeah usually both
1: oh, I mean <laughs> right. If, yeah right if, if it's a feature you have time for both so you're right <laughs> yeah yeah
0: both. Both I remember
1: white wine maybe <laughs> <laughs> but gelato is good on a hot day no I
0: think my, my, uh, uh, what's the ice one called uh, uh, granita granita That is very good in the summer. So, anyway, now that this PSA for the uh, Il Cinema Retrovato in Bologna, Italy is complete, (laughs) we can say uh, thank you, Davide, for talking to us.
2: Thank you. Thank you very
0: much. Uh, I'm sorry for my bad accent. Uh, It will be better in five years. (laughs) Much better than our Italian. So, yeah. Grazie, Emilie. Prego. (laughs) (laughs) Bye, Davide. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys.